we have a family member in our home, we have one person in our home that, that loves subtitles, all right? doesn't matter what language it's in, it's the subtitles are on. Anybody else out there? All right, a few of you. I, I do not like subtitles. Like, my solution, if I can't hear and understand it, is just turn it louder, right? Um, it, it, what's interesting is, like, sometimes, you know, you watch these shows that um, the actors are English or Scottish or Australian, and, I, and it's hard. Like, I can't understand the accent. And that would make a perfect time to put on subtitles, but no, not me. No, just turn it louder and louder and louder. And, uh, you know, someone will come in the room or come in the house like, why is the TV so loud? Because I can't understand their accent, you know? It has to be, you know? It's such an American thing to do, right? You know, when uh, we go travel or someone comes here that, that doesn't know our language, uh, they're trying to understand, you know, what do we do? You know, we talk slower and louder. Can you understand this? You know, in the words of like Detective Carter, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Right? We're, we're like that in our culture. You know, we think everybody should understand us. If we just talk slower and louder, they'll get it. The church is a little bit that way too. Right? We have a message that we want people to understand. We want them to you know, uh, embrace what we believe. And so we, 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 we share it with them and they don't get it. They don't understand it. They don't buy it. And so what do we do? We just get louder. We get louder and louder. And we keep, we keep raising the, the, the volume or we pound a little harder. You know, we, we wave our Christian flags and all that kind of stuff. We wear our t-shirts, our bumper stickers, and our Christian memes. We put them out there saying, well, they didn't understand me, but they'll get the meme. That, that will speak to them. They'll understand that for sure. We get loud. But I don't think that has the desired effect. I think for most people, the world turns us off. Like, you're just being too annoying. Or in the words of Taylor Swift, like, you got to calm down. You're being too loud. That's if they're nice and if they like us. But yeah, most of the time, they just they tune us out. They just forget us. But we have a message that the world needs. And how do we proclaim that? If they're not going to understand us, what is the way that we share that message the scripture that we have today sheds some light on that. We've been in a study in the book of 1 John, kind of way at the end of the Bible, just before Revelation. And we've been looking at some of the letters. We're probably just halfway or just over halfway done with that. But the message today is about how we communicate the truth of God. How do we communicate the, just the, the glory that we see in Christ with this world there's kind of two parts to it. And, and at first, if you read it, if you look at it, it's kind of like, what do these have to do with each other? But the first part, the first few verses talk about kind of what we are to know. Just think of your brain, right? To know the truth. And we'll kind of talk a little bit about that uh, and not be confused with the things that are not of God. But we have to know what is from God. But then, like, what do we communicate? Is that what we communicate? John tells us that that's going to be a language that the world doesn't know. So to use this kind of language, uh, you are speaking words of heaven, the words of the kingdom of God, but they only understand the language of Babylon, of this world. And so you can share that, but they're not going to get it. But then on the second part, he says, but this is how you communicate. You communicate from your heart. Or you're going to communicate through love to the culture because that's something that it can understand. That's a language that they get when we love people from our heart. 
And so these are kind of the two sections that we'll be looking at. How do we know the truth and we're not deceived and led astray? But then how do we communicate that with this world that needs to know the message of the gospel, that needs to know the hope that we have in Christ? So that's what we'll look at today. Heavenly Father, would you lead us today and just guide us as we open your word. May your word speak. May the truth of your word speak clearly and communicate what we need to hear this morning. Lord, may your spirit be at work in our lives. We ask this in your name. Amen. So first, let's talk about knowing the truth. We got we to know the truth. All right? That starts with not believing every single thing you hear. Okay? Look at... 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. He says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Uh, as Christians, we know what it is to believe. We've been told that our whole life. Our whole faith is on belief, right? Right from the very beginning of Scripture. Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. As we see Jesus, it says, he talks about the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. In John, he says, believe in his name and you will become the children of God. And in John chapter 2, it says, the disciples, they believed the scriptures, the words that Jesus had spoken. And finally in Acts, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Right? We see through Scripture, we believe in the Lord, we believe in the good news, we believe in His name, we believe in the Scriptures, we believe in Jesus Christ, and we will be saved. So we, we know about belief. But what John is saying, he's like, but don't believe everything. All right? Have some spiritual skepticism when it comes to things that you hear. Not everything that has the name of Jesus or uh, is in Jesus' name uh, is, is something that we are to believe. We have to be careful. Why? Because there's false prophets in this world. He says there's false prophets. What are false prophets? False prophets are people that look like prophets. They look good. They say all, a lot of great things. But what they say is not all the truth. Well, who are the false prophets? I don't know. They don't have business cards that say, I am a false prophet. I can't go on LinkedIn and say, I don't, you know, we don't have enough false prophets around here. I've got to find someone. We've got to hire someone. There's only a false prophet. That's not how it works. They masquerade. They're hard to find. And so we have to pay attention. We have to test them. That's what he says in verse 2. He says, this is how you recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You gotta test these things. Test it with scripture. Again, testing, we know all about testing. Abram was tested. Remember, he was waiting for a son for 30 years or whatever, the son comes, and then God tests him. And he says, would you be willing to give up your son if I asked you to? And Abram does. But just at the last moment, God says, stop. I know. I've tested you. Now I know that you would believe me. Now I know that you have faith. Right? We see testing there. We see testing uh, throughout the scriptures, right? Even Paul says several times, he says, test yourself to see if you are in the faith. 
We saw in Acts 17, these, when Paul was going around these cities, it talks about these Bereans, this church in Berea. It says these Berean, Berean Jews, they received the message with great eagerness. They examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. Right? They were testing him. They were saying, I heard this. Now I'm going to find it here and see if it is true. We're going to do the same thing. And so he says, here's how you test it. Test it according to Jesus. He says, every spirit, see, does Jesus, do they believe that Jesus has come in the flesh? Now, why does he say that one? Well, remember, he's talking to some Gnostics. That's kind of the people that were in this church and in this area. And the Gnostics believed that, that God was spirit, but that he did not come in the flesh, right? Physical things were, were bad, were of the world. Only the spiritual was good. And so uh, for them, to, they, they, they believed that God, Jesus was spirit, the spirit of God, but not the physical not that he had come in flesh. And so for him, as he's talking to them, he says, test it with that. If it doesn't pass the test, you can unfriend them. It's okay. But if they pass the test, then bring them into the community. That worked for them at that time. But it's a little different now. Now things are so complicated. Everybody says the name of Jesus. There's plenty of people that say, oh, yeah, Jesus came in the flesh. I, I, I agree to that. Oh, great, wonderful. Here, preach. Lead a small group. You know, it's okay. If you believe that, it's fine, right? We wouldn't say that. We have to be so careful and discerning because there's things out there that we hear that sound spiritual and sound good, but they're not of the truth. I mean, Paul tells us, even, he says, even, uh, of course people do that because Satan does that. He masquerades as an angel of light, right? So, of course, his followers are going to do that. So, be so careful of what you bring into the church. What, be so careful of what you hold on to be true. Uh, I don't remember the exact date, but do you remember, I think it was earlier this year, that, um, that Rain Wilson was on the news. You guys remember Wayne, Rain, right? Uh, also known as uh, Dwight Schrute. And uh, he, he got on the kind of news. He, he went on Twitter, now X, I guess, but back then it's still Twitter. And uh, he said this. He says, I do think there's an anti-Christian bias in Hollywood. As soon as the David character in The Last of Us, that's a show, started reading from the Bible, I knew he was going to be a horrific villain. And then he says, could there be a Bible-reading preacher on a show who's actually loving and kind? Right? And I think a lot of that it resonates with us. Obviously, he's not seeing uh, Winn-Dixie, because in Winn-Dixie, there's a preacher who's good and kind. But short of that, I think we do. We see these Christians, and we're like, ah, I know that person's going to do something bad and evil and horrific, and they do. But when he said this, a lot, it resonated with the Christian community. And they're like, yeah, finally. And so it was like the next week or two, he was on like every podcast there was. Every Christian podcast had him on there. Like, we want to hear more about this. Um, here's one of the things. I, I listened to one of them. Um, or yeah, because I'm, I'm interested. I was interested, and and here's what he said. I, this is like a 30-page transcript of one of the podcasts. Um, but he said, I'll kind of just read it. Um, I'm not going to read every word. But he 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 is not a Christian. He says I'm from the Baha'i faith. All right, so the Baha'i faith. Oh, what is that? All right. So he says this that we believe in Jesus Christ. Right that he is very holy, he's special divine, uh, he's one of the teachers that holds a very uh, special station. But the idea of the Son of God from a Baha'i lens is not like there's one God who has this one guy, Jesus, to do everything he needs to do. 
All right? Baha'i holds that there's other divine teachers at a similar level to Jesus Christ. Okay, so right there you're like, okay, they believe in Jesus Christ, but that he's just one of many. Right? Even on their website, it does talk about, we believe these manifestations of God, uh, Abraham, Krishna, Zoroaster, Moses, Buddha, Jesus Christ, Muhammad, and some of their other teachers. So they, they believe that Jesus Christ is one of, very, of some special people. But here's what he says next. He says, so there's, there's a difference, some significant differences here. But can we just stop and say that we both love Jesus? We both believe Jesus is divine and beautiful and holds a station far above any mortal and is in direct communication with the Father and brings down a beautiful transformation message of salvation for Christians and in, in Galilee and Judah and Rome, but for all of humanity. Can't we just agree on that? Can't we just focus on that? I mean, he's saying, yes, we kind of have this different idea of Jesus. You think he's the only one. I think he's many, but we both think he's divine. Can't we just let the other things just kind of go away? And can't we just love each other and work together? And he says a little bit more about religions. And he says this, I think it's important right now for all people of faith to come together and work together side by side, roll up their sleeves, and help make the world a better place, a more loving place. Can't we just love each other with the force of Jesus? You know, we have to emulate him. We have to emulate and strive to emulate the compassion of Buddha, the love of Jesus, the dedication of the people of Islam for, Muslim, for Muhammad, and work side by side building loving communities. The time for squabbling is done. Let's uh, say that we're both, we both agree that we're at the threshold of destroying the planet and each other. So let's leave those differences behind and seek a common focus. You know, what he's, there's, there's some cool things he says in there, right? And, uh, you know, if we're building a playground or something like that, totally in. Yeah, let's make the community a better place. Let's, we should be working with people that are from different backgrounds and different religions, right? And when we take care of the community or feed, feed the homeless or whatever, it doesn't have to be just us. We can do that with others. But would he pass the test? Would you say, yeah, let's bring him in, let's let him preach, let him lead a small group, let him uh, lead our youth you know, in, in knowing Jesus? No, because he doesn't pass that test of Christ. Jesus said, I am the only one. I am the, I'm the truth, right? I'm the only truth. I'm the way to salvation. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not I am one way and there's several others. I'm the only way. We have to be discerning because we hear a lot of things out there. We hear some good things some intriguing things, but we have to know the truth. Hold on to the truth. Hold on to the truth of Jesus Christ, that he is divine. He did come. He's 100% God. He's 100% uh, human. There is no sin in him. He is the way to salvation. Hold on to that. and Do not be uh, uh, distracted by the other things that you are bound to hear. It's all around us. He says in verse 4, he says, don't worry, because you, you have the Spirit, and he's greater than he that's in the world. He says, dear children, uh, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Right? You have the Spirit. He will lead you to the right place, but be discerning, be careful. 
in verse 5 and 6, he kind of talks about this language that he talked about at the beginning, right? He says, they are from the world, and therefore they speak the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. Right? The world listens to this, and some people really like that. But let's just all get along, for, put our differences behind, and let's just agree on those things we can agree on, and just let's love each other. It's, you're, it's not right, I'm not wrong, we're just all together. The world loves that. That's their language. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. The world doesn't love all of our language, right? I mean, even for us, it's sometimes hard. I mean, here, what's the language in the church? Truth and righteousness, accountability, gospel, obedience, submission and submit and, and judgment. Those are strong words, and of course the world doesn't like that. Of course they're not going to listen. Where's the why can't we all get along language and, and just love? They, they love this, that God is love, but not all that he is truth. He's a consuming fire. He's just. Those are things they don't want to hear. But they are the truth. And we're going to hold those things dear. So when we look at kind of the, the world and that we live in, there is a truth that comes from the, the scriptures. It comes from God. And we have to hold that. We have to know it. We have to guard it. And we're going to share that. But how then do we share it in a way that the world will understand? Okay. I think what, where John goes next is he's like, this is the language of heaven, but it's the language that the world understands. We have to respond in love. Right, We've got to act out our love for the world so they'll understand, so they'll, they'll hear, they'll be a somewhat receptive. He says in verse 7, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Okay, so we got to love. How does he say to love it? He already said it in chapter 3. We talked about it last week. He says, dear children, let us love not only with words and speech, but with actions and in truth. Okay, so yes, we are to know the truth, and we're going to love with our words, but it's so important that we show the love through our actions to this world. We've got to love. We've got to show this for three reasons. There's at least three reasons. The first one is because God is love. He's the essence of love. That's who he is. This is in verse 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. That's one of his fundamental attributes. I mean, he's merciful and compassionate and loving, and wise, and just. There's, there's other descriptions of God through the scriptures. But here, this one captures his essence. So he's saying that if you say that God is my father, if I'm claiming to, to be a Christian, to be changed by, by Christ, you are becoming more like God. And if God is love, so you need to show that love. It would be very inconsistent for a Christian to say, I totally believe in God, I love him, but I'm not going to love my neighbor. I'm not going to love the people that you put in my life. That's, that's inconsistent. It doesn't make any sense. 
Because God's love, He's loved us with great love. Love comes from Him. He loved us first. He chose to love us. It's not because anything we did. So He says, I'm going to love these people. He did it with Israel, right? In Deuteronomy chapter 7, when He's, he's kind of telling them, He's like, we, God loves you, not because you're the most numerous, you weren't, not because you were the smallest, He didn't have pity on you. He just loves you because He loves you. He just called you said, I'm going to choose to be faithful to my, my covenants. I'm going to continue to love you. That's why. And for us today, too. It's not because we did anything wonderful or great. We have so much potential. Romans tells us this. He says in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this way. This is how God showed his love. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Right? Not while we were on our best behavior, he died for us. No, not uh, because we, we were so smart and so kind and so nice, so wise. No, while we were still sinners, while we were in rebellion, while we were enemies. That's how God demonstrated his love. So we think, why does God love me? I'm not all that great. I'm not that special. <laughs> That's the point. He loves you because he loves you. He's called you. God is love. So for us, when we look at, like, why do we love the people around us? Well, because that's the essence of God. We are called by his name. We're part of his family. We take on his character. We take on his values. We love the people around us. That's the first reason. The second reason is this. Because God loved us with a sacrificial death. Right? It took Jesus' life. To show that kind of love. Look at verse 9. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. Another great. How did God show his love? I'll tell you. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. How do we live through him? Well, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What does that mean? He died on the cross for our sins. To remove the, the penalty, the wrath and to bring God's favor and love. That's what he did. In verse 11, dear friends, since God has so loved us, so we ought to love one another. Right. What, how did he do that? He sent his one and only son. One and only son. That's used about six times in Scripture. Five times it talks about Jesus. About the one and, God's one and only son. But one time it talks about Isaac, Abraham's son. That Abraham gave his one and only son, right? Was going to sacrifice him. Yes, you ever read that story of Abraham and the sacrifice, and you just picture like, how can he do that? How can he take his son and put him on an altar and, and tie him up and you know have the knife and the fire and all of that? Like, what kind of anguish does it cause you stress? It causes me stress, right? It really does. I'm like, I don't know, I, don't know. I couldn't do that. And but he, that was his one and only son. And then John says, but God gave his one and only son to be a sacrifice. So God said, Abraham, you don't have to do this because I'm going to do it. And the anguish that you feel is the anguish that I feel. But the love for my people is more than that anguish. I will do that for love for you. 
That's a sacrificial love that God has given. And so he's saying, if you've been loved that way, then why you have to share that with others. There's a great parable that Jesus talks about in Matthew 18. And it talks about the kingdom of God, right, and the sacrificial love. And it's this parable that, uh, that starts because Peter was asking Jesus, he's like, how many times do I got to forgive this person? Some people say, I don't have to. Some people say you can forgive them once. But I, I feel like I should be generous. I feel like I should like forgive them like seven times. Jesus, is that good? That's, that's pretty good, right? Jesus says, no, Peter, uh, not just seven times, but 77 times. And Peter's like, how do we do that? I can't keep, I can't keep track of that, that many times. That's too many. No, that's the point. That's the point, Peter. And then he tells him the story. He says, there's this king who loans out money. He loaned out this money to this guy. He gave him 10 bags of gold. That's like two and a half million dollars. After some time, he says, I need to get my money back. I need to loan it to somebody else. And so his servant calls this guy and says, hey, we gave you 10 bags of gold. We need that back. And the guy says, I don't have it. And he says, well, then there's only one thing we can do. We're going to put you and your, your wife and your kids, we're going to sell you up as slaves so we can recoup some of that money. And what's the guy do? He gets on his knees, he begs. He says, have patience with me. I will repay it. Just give me six more months. Just give me some more time. <laughs> and the, the servant's like, ah, oh, man, I'm terrible at this job. I'm such a softy. You know, he's like, I, I see that. I, I see you're genuine. Here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to, we're going to pretend like you didn't take any. I'm just going to rip up this, this account. You're free. You know, you don't have to repay it. Not in six months, not a year. It's done with. I'm just going to show you that love. That's a beautiful story, right? But the story continues. The guy leaves. He's so happy. He's so thrilled. But then he sees a friend. He says, hey, remember, like, I loaned you some money. Let's say it's 100 bucks. I loaned you 100 bucks. Do you have that? And the guy's like, oh, I don't have it. And he's like, we need to take care of that. There's only one thing we can do. I've got to put you in jail until, until you pay me that money back. Then you can be released. And the guy says, have patience with me. I'll get you the money. The same thing that he just said. And what does he do? He says, that days of patience are over. Put you in jail. Was he just to do that? Sure. He, that was within the law. He gave the guy money. The guy didn't pay him back. So he could put him in jail. He was just. But was he merciful? Was he kind? And Was he loving? Given that he had just been forgiven two and a half million dollars? No. Word gets back to the king, and the king's angry. He brings him in. He says, I, re I, I forgave you two and a half million. You couldn't forgive this guy a hundred dollars. And then what does he call him? Does he say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were just. You, you, you abided by the law. Well done. So proud of you. He doesn't. He says, you're a wicked servant. You're wicked I gave you grace. I gave you love. And you only gave justice. You didn't give mercy. You didn't give grace. You didn't give love. You're wicked. Guys, I'm afraid for the church right now. Because I think we love justice and we love truth more than we love love. It's so much easier for us to say, well, that's not, that's not the truth. And we're just going to push on justice. We're going to be like that guy. I need my $100 back. Come on. You need to respect me versus 
God's heart to live lives of love. Yes, there's a time for truth, right? There, there is. There's a time for justice, for certain. But more, more of the time, we need to show that love to this world because that's what he gave to us. He showed us that love. How did he show love? By dying for us, by sending his son, the anguish that he went through on the cross so that we could live. Share that love with others. Because God is love because of the extent that he went through with Jesus on the cross. But the third reason is this. Because God lives within us and this is how the world will see him. Look at verse 12. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This has got to be one of the, the coolest verses in the Bible. It's got to be. I mean, look at this. It's staggering. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, people will see him. He said this very thing about Jesus. When John started his gospel, he says, nobody had ever seen God, but Jesus came. And the way he lived, the way he talked, the way he, he served people, they saw God. And now he, he's not talking about Jesus. He's talking about you talking about the church, talking about followers. He says, nobody's ever seen God. But when you love them, when you really show genuine love, that's when people see him. That's when your love is complete. It's mature. You, this world doesn't see God. We keep yelling. We keep talking, raising the volume. But what they need to do, what we need to do is show them love. Say, we, you probably don't understand me, but come into my home. Come in for a meal. Let me love on you. Let me care for you. Come to our small group. Come to our church. Come to the, the season's banquet. Experience love. And you'll experience God. You'll see God through that. Is that cool? But if we're the wholesalers of God's love, if we kind of keep it for only those who are special, only those who, are, who we like, who are in the club, we've missed it. We give this. Be wild, be crazy with the people in our lives so we can show them that love. That it can be tangible, be felt, that God could be seen when we love that way. Somebody said it this way. It's probably a little bit dated, but it was saying that the, the, the church is God's audiovisual presentation of God to a dying culture. I mean, think about that. Like, the church... We're the audiovisual. We're the, the sound and the video of God's heart. But if we bicker and complain internally, that's not a good video. Right? We don't want to be the villains. But if we reach out and we love and we sacrifice, and we love the people that are different than us, that vote different, that look different, that live differently, instead of judging them, we just say they're doing the best they can. But I'm going to keep loving them. That's when these things shine. I think that's when God is glorified. So when we look at this passage, there's this truth in the heart, right? Yes, we've got to know the truth. We can't be deceived because there's, there's so many things going on around us. Things that sound religious, that sound spiritual, that even maybe use the name of Jesus, but we've got to know the scriptures. We've got to know who Christ is, and we've got to test the spirits. 
But then, when we know the truth, let's share it. But even more importantly, let's live it. Let's show it. Let the heart lead us. This is what the world needs to see. They don't need to hear us complaining. They don't need to hear our, our, all the stuff that we believe and all that. they gotta, they got to see that we believe it and that we're living it, right? Uh, a week and a half ago, early in the morning, right out, right literally behind me, uh, there was a, a guy from the community, from the neighborhood that was riding his bike, going out to the, the creek path over here to ride up and down, doing some exercise. Uh, he started to go through the light, and a car ran right through and hit him. Uh, and um, it was right on the corner right there. Um, I didn't know about it right away, but heard about it a little bit later. And I told my wife about it, and my wife says this. She's like, well, how can we love them? How can we love the family? Is there anything we can do? And I'm like, oh, I haven't met them yet. I don't know. Um, but soon they came. And they came because we have cameras. We have, you know, some security cameras. And they asked, and they said, hey, can we see the camera, see the footage of that? Well, I could have said, uh, young lady, we have a policy, right? This is internal use only, you know? Uh, sorry, we can't get that. You have to subpoena us to get it, and, you know, then we'll, then we'll share it or whatever. All right, right, we could have. It's our, it's our right. But instead she came in, and we said, first, how's he doing? I said, how can our church care for you? What can, what can we do? Do you need meals? Do you, can we visit? What do you need right now? We'll give you the video. That's, that's fine. We'll, we'll give you that. That's what you want. It'll help. But how can we love on you? And right then she was kind of like, I, all I can think about my, my dad. He's in critical condition, uh, brain dead right now. At least uh, last Tuesday he was. Um, can we respond? And I don't know if they're going to come back. I don't know if they're going to say, hey, here's some things. If there is, let's respond. Let's put the love in action. But if nothing else, we can certainly pray for him. Let's pray for Israel. That's his name. Not, I didn't change subjects. <laughs> his name. And just pray for Israel, right? They're like, how can we pray for them? How can we do those things where it's more than just words, but it's putting this love into action? Because, man, that's, that's what speaks. That's what we need. Are you up for it? It's going to take faith. You're going to put you in some uncomfortable positions. You're going to say, am I loving too much? Should I give more truth, more love? I mean, it's, yeah, we'll work those things out. But as I, I look at this, I'm convicted in how I live. And I, I want to live with love. I want this community to say that those people, they believe it. 